Welcome to the Tybee Marine Science Center podcast, an authentic coastal experience. Welcome to the Tybee Island Marine Science Center podcast. I'm Dee Daniels, and I am absolutely thrilled to be joined on this episode by the phenomenal Hermina Glass-Hill. We're going to be talking about her bio and so many things that's going on as we get ready for Whale Week. We have so many exciting things that are happening that we want to shed a light on and invite you to and invite you to be a part of and all the things. Um, Hermina is just a, a light in this world and certainly uh, when it comes to ocean conservation and and just uh, cultural heritage and storytelling with all the things. And so, uh, Hermina, welcome to the podcast. This is a pleasure to have you have you here chatting with us about all of the great things that are going on in coastal Georgia. And uh, we're excited about Whale Week coming up. Thank you so much for having me this morning on the Ivy Island Marine Science Center podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. It is a, a wonderful thing to really talk about what goes on in our waterways here in coastal Georgia. It's very exciting um, to really shine a light, especially during Whale Week and and kind of talk about what what is happening. A lot of people, um, you know, have been interested in, in following uh, the right whale, obviously, and, and the story of the adoptive right whale smoke with the Tybee Island Marine Science Center. We've been talking a lot about that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your background, Hermina, and why this is so such a passion project for you. Um, I mean, you have spent so much of your life and career really just diving into the stories of our waterways and the stories of what goes on here in coastal Georgia. Talk a little bit about how that started for you. The, the element of faith. I, I think that was my first introduction. I was raised Christian. Um, and, and, uh, we talked about Jonah and the whale and, you know, for every lesson you, you had to, uh, you know, answer these questions about these relationships, these really close, intimate relationships, uh, or to really be critical about, you know, how did whales and people become so close or what is this relationship uh, between, um, people and, um, the ocean and whales. And so that was my initial introduction to the idea that there's this super big fish and that no less that it ate somebody or swallowed somebody and the person lived. Um, and <laughs> the, the person had lungs and didn't drown. Um, but, uh, that, that was my first introduction to this idea of a large fish. Um, in the sea. Um, but, but of course, um, from an existential point of view, um, all life originated in the sea and the ocean. And uh, once we come to terms to, uh, with, um, you know, who we are in this large circle of life, we, we realize that we are only but a speck of dust in this vast circle um, that includes our neighbors in the ocean. And uh, in fact, most of um, the uh, marine um, biodiversity that exists in the world is, is in the ocean, and, and most of it we have not even discovered. Uh, so this relationship, um, this, this kinship, if you will, with um, ocean life is a part of my own personal um, existential beliefs about um, the world, about the ocean, about how we are all interconnected in these very deep ecological ways. And, and, and so um, that has part, been part of uh, my work 
um, particularly as it comes as it uh, comes to um, people and oceans. Um, I don't know if I mentioned last time that um, I even see ocean and culture being really close, uh, particularly here in the southeast, um, northeast, um, west coast. There are indigenous um, peoples who are still connected to the ocean and to wells and really. Um, deep ways, and then there are Gullah Geechee people in the southeast from um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia, who have this subsistence relationship, um, this spiritual relationship with the ocean and um, its biodiversity. And so uh, I try to, within who I am as a, a brown woman, um, I try to encapsulate and um, relate these stories to people and culture. And then once we become educated about, you know, what what the ocean is and what it means, uh, we can be better informed about the kinds of actions that we can take in terms of um, um, justice. And and I'm I'm thinking about, you know, there's this fairly new terminology called ocean justice, but also social justice. Uh, I, I I relate what happened to Ahmad Aubrey, who who is who was Belakuchi, who lives so close. Um, uh, to, to the, um, ocean and, um, just the idea of being able to, um, take a run, to breathe, to walk, to have your feet to land and be grounded on this earth in which we all share, um, that you were discriminated because of that. And you are dead because of that. You know, you've been uh, murdered because of that. And I see that as it's homicide, but it's also ecocide. And that's what's taking place with, um, various species in our natural world. Um, the North Atlantic right whale is on the verge of becoming extinction. So that's deeply important to me because it doesn't have to be. Um, the whales don't have a voice, but we are their voices. And so I'm, I'm, I find it, it's a, it's an honor to, um, be a voice for North Atlantic right whales. You're you're so involved in in so many uh, organizations, including obviously our senior field uh, representative uh, representative for Oceana, and then uh, you know a historian. You're you're a part of the uh, Gray's Reef National Marine Sanctuary, and obviously such a great partnership with Tybee Island Marine Science Center. You know, I think when people are hearing these stories, as as you are such a, a, a fantastic. Uh, megaphone uh, story collector and teller. And I, I love that. And, and as people are hearing these stories, you know, one of the questions that rises to the top as we are about to celebrate Whale Week is how did Whale Week get started? Um, is it is it the same for every state? Is it different? You know, a lot of people may see different dates and 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 we obviously are, are, are kind of, you know, honing in on this time frame in November. But you know, it's not just about this week, but it, it is certainly an important time to, you know, explain, I think, how this got going and why the right whale is so important during this time as well. Absolutely. Um, so, um, well, we take place in many states. Um, there are festivals and I'm, I'm going to a festival, right? Well, festival in Florida next week. Um, you know, there are many festivals um, and uh, right and well week um, uh, events up and down the East Coast uh, from Maine down to Florida. Uh, and so everyone celebrates differently. But six years ago, uh, one of my former colleagues, Paulita Bennett Martin, and 
another person uh, in the Savannah area, Tara Garrigan, um, created whale week to bring uh, awareness about the plight of North Atlantic right whales. Um, these particular whales are, you know, um, as I stated, uh, on the verge of extinction. They once numbered in the thousands. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, this here in uh, the Savannah area in Georgia, we have created this um, corridor of consciousness about, you know, this, our, our sister species, marine mammals, they're mammals, um, and um, about their plight, you know, what is happening with them. And as I stated before, um, once people understand what's happening, we are hoping that they will take the next necessary action, uh, the call to action to our elected officials um, to have them uh, to listen to the will of the people in Congress and uh, perhaps um, uh, vote in ways that will protect North Atlantic right whales from the, the two main, the, the top uh, killer of North Atlantic right whales is vessel speed, uh, is vessels, uh, collisions with um, large vessels, recreational vessels, um, vessels between 35 to 65 feet in length and over. Um, but they are also faced with um, entanglement as well as ocean noise and uh, climate change. Uh, but but for this purpose, we are we are uh, talking about all of these um, existential threats to this particular species uh, here in the southeast. The Savannah Port is a is a main port um, here in the southeast. Um, there's a Brunswick Port as well. There's also on the part of um, an organization called. Um, it's about protecting uh, uh, North Atlantic right whales from uh, um, the kinds of threats from the naval bases. Uh, so I'm um, a part of an organization called Nuclear Watch South. Um, this area in the Southeast is a critical habitat for North Atlantic right whales. It's, uh, they are, they are uh, uh, journeying to this area, migrating to this area for a reason. It's rich in the nutrients that they need. It's warm. Um, and so, uh, you know, the naval base is right there in the middle of their critical habitat. But they also cause, um, in addition to most of the shipping um, industry, um, ocean noise, ocean pollution, which um, separates, which which provides a kind of a noise pollution that can um, separate uh, calves from, from their moms. And so um we are bringing this information to the public uh during well week and hope that um it will spark the curiosity of many folks in uh the southeast and particularly in the savannah and tybee island area because um let's face it georgia is critical in congress these days um we have um two senators um senator Raphael warnock and senator john ossoff we want them to become in tune to um, listening to the voices and the will of the people, uh, as well as Congressman Buddy Carter, um, to listen to us and to take um, uh, uh, the appropriate actions to protect um, the last remaining 340 North Atlantic right whales, of which 80 are female. And so we know that um, if these females are decimated in any way, um, certainly the species is uh, bound to extinction. Yeah, and I think too, Hermina, we're in such a critical time that a lot of people are looking at our elections right now. They're looking at what they're doing and they are 
paying more attention to, you know, okay, we are in a, a place culturally, society wise, where I feel like we are wanting to make better decisions and we are wanting to make more informed decisions. And so for us to, you know, take a look at the decision makers uh, right here in our state and uh, coastal Georgia and, and who are making the decisions that will, in fact, uh, be directly linked to what happens with the right whale, um, that that will happen. And, and we've drawn a very clear line um, where, you know, it's it's going to be in their hands. And so, you know, a, as a society, I think we are looking at these things more, which is a wonderful thing. And I'm not sure a lot of people, um, you know, have have just been able to to educate themselves yet. And hopefully we're able to do some of that on this podcast. And as we all go out in public and speak about these things, but, you know, you, you brought up climate change and the climate crisis and how does that affect the right whale? And how does that specifically when, when sometimes we're faced with people who say, you know, is climate crisis, is it really a crisis? And, and is it really a problem? Um, is it really a problem in coastal Georgia? Don't we have the same temperatures and same things going on we've had going on for a long time? W what are your thoughts around that? Oh, um, that's an excellent question, Dee. And thank you so much for asking that question. Climate change is indeed impacting the ocean in tremendous ways. It's impacting um, people, um, nature, and certainly the ocean. With the uh, ocean absorbing so much of the carbon emissions in the atmosphere, um, the to, to put it uh, simply, the chemistry of the ocean is changing. With the chemistry of the ocean changing, um, it impacts, it creates, you know, one thing that it creates is something called ocean acidification. And with the ocean becoming more acidic, it impacts the food source of North Atlantic white whales, which are uh, zooplankton, um, called copepods. Uh, some are, uh, some of these, uh, zooplankton have shells and, um, the acidification impacts, um, um, the, the, the calcium shells of these, um, uh, of these, um, marine zooplankton. And so we find that North Atlantic right whales, their food sources are really migrating to, um, different areas. And so they have to search harder for their food. Um, they are much smaller than their, uh, cousins in, um, uh, the South Atlantic, uh, right whale. Um, and it's due largely to, um, less stress, uh, caused by, um, the shipping industry as well as the, um, the fishing industry and, uh, other sources of, of threats to North Atlantic right whales. And so, um, uh, climate change is not only affecting the whales, it's in fact, uh, affecting um, our recreation and our ability to fish the kind of um, fish species that we like. Uh, and so therein, uh, this idea of climate change and the oceans warming, it is a real thing. Um, and I think that once we realize that it's affecting our oceans, it's affecting how we grow our food, um, you know, causing droughts throughout the land, um, these are serious issues, and, and I think that slowly but surely people are beginning to realize the impact of climate change, certainly um, when it comes to um, uh, sea level rise and flooding here in, the, in coastal Georgia. Um, it becomes real when it's, um, you know, there's a tropical storm or hurricane. Uh, we know firsthand that um, these surges are higher 
Uh, the flooding is more, uh, and we feel it and see it. And, you know, I, I've shared before, you know, I'm a city girl from Atlanta, you know, thinking I'm coming down to the coast and I'm, you know, offering my gifts and my, my, um, servant leadership. And, you know, why are these people leaving during, you know, this hurricane or this tropical storm? You know, I'm going to stay in my brick house like the big bag wolf. You can blow it and it's not going to move because it's brick. Um, but um, we can't stop the flooding. And so my husband and I, we are uh, empty nesters. We don't have family here, uh, but we have family. In com our community is our family. Um, we found ourselves being, um, you know, um, climate refugees as a result of um, these storms and sea level rise. Uh, and that's when it, my own thinking about uh, climate change itself began to um, really shift um, and to be more um, uh, caring about my neighbors, my neighbors who live in um, housing that's not, you know, quite stable, um, who don't have transportation, those who live on barrier islands like Sapelo Island or, you know, St. Simon's Island, these barrier islands that really, you know, get the brunt of um, sea level rise first. Um, and then up and down the coast, you know, um, climate change doesn't know a zip code. It affects everybody. But those who are most vulnerable, the socioeconomically, um, uh, when it comes to seniors, when it comes to children, uh, when it comes to the kind of pollution that exists in cities, uh, climate change, sea level rise exacerbates um, the pollution that's already in the waters and in the land, it stirs it up. Uh, and many people still continue to live in these areas. Um, they drink water from these areas. They eat fish from these areas. And so climate change is not just this abstract thing that's out there. It, it impacts every aspect of our lives. And I think that, um, more people are becoming informed about, you know, it's not just a buzzwords that, a buzzword that elected officials and scientists and, you know, conservationists are saying, but it is a real thing and it's impacting our lives in these very deep, intrinsic ways. No doubt. I I, I love uh, that, that picture you painted with that. And I think it's so true that once, you know, for so many things and so many t uh, categories and topics, once, once it touches your life in a way that b makes it closer to home, you do tend to wake up to, you know, information um and and you realize this isn't something that's um you know on the other side of 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 a wall it's here it's it's we are here we are in the moment i believe and i'd love to get your thoughts on this we're in the moment of what what people were warning us about you know 10 years ago when the conversation about climate crisis was starting to uh, become a, a headline and you had the naysayers on the one side and you had uh, the other folks who were, you know, really trying to be informative on the other side. And it was like, it's coming and, and we are here. Th this is our moment, I believe. Absolutely. We are, at, we are within the crisis of climate change. Um, as the uh, IPC, IPCC has said that uh, we are in a moment of um, climate disaster. We are in the verge of climate disaster. And if we can make the kind of changes in terms of, um, you know, um, uh, shifting from burning fossil fuels, um, then, you know, we ourselves will be on the verge of extinction. Uh, and so uh, we, we find ourselves, we will find ourselves in the same situation and plight as North Atlantic right wells. 
Um, and so um, you're absolutely right. Um, they've been shouting from the mountaintops. I remember when I was a kid, B, um, you know, you would have, I'm 56. And so there would be like commercials about aerosol deodorant, you know, don't use the aerosol. The, the uh, fluorocarbons will burn a hole in the ozone layer. We're here, you know, uh, and uh, uh, if if humans um, cannot, uh, uh, I, my hope is that humans will um, realize, you know, our place in this uh, global ecosystem and realize that there's a part that we have to play. Nature is doing her part. Mami Wata, the ocean, she's doing her part. Uh, and we must do our part as a part of this grand uh, circle of life. I I'm, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your work with Oceana and and how uh, those of us who are you know looking and seeking for information of how we can get involved in um, what is going on and how we can kind of you know get our feet wet you know uh, and, and get our hands in the water and do do something you know we we really want to make it you know, as easy as possible for people to get involved. And I know your work with so many of the organizations you work with, uh, they're doing great things. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you're doing with Oceana specifically. Sure. I'm going to, if I may, I'm going to interject something before I get into that, um, because I'm on my phone, but my laptop is about to die. But I wanted you to hear this. I wanted your listeners to hear this first. That is a call of the up call of a North Atlantic right whale um, communicating. Um, the um, there is a, a research ship that was sponsored by um, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, IFAW, and it was at the Savannah Harbor uh, probably earlier this year or the end of last year. It's called. Um, Song of the Whale, and um, they have done um, tremendous uh, research on North Atlantic right whale bioacoustics, and that was an isolation of the North Atlantic right whale of call minus all of the, the ocean pollution, ocean noise. And um, this is like a mother calling her child. It's like a mother saying to her child, stay close to me. I don't want you to get hit. Um, stay close to me. I want you to learn from me. Stay close to me because I am going to teach you how to live in this world. That's what our mothers do. That's what our grandmothers do. So these are the mammals who are on their way. North Atlanta right well migration season begins now. It starts um, mid to late uh, November through April. And I bring this up because I want us to get to the essence of why we're doing this. We're doing this because we want to save whales. We want to save mothers. We want to save cows, babies, uh, because we're just that close to them becoming extinct. And um, tying into the work that we that I do at Nor at um, Oceana is um, advocate for campaigns that um, protect the ocean, marine biodiversity, and by protecting it, uh, protecting marine biodiversity, 
we provide an opportunity for communities, coastal communities to eat. The ocean is a source of um, nutrition for many people around the world. In America and USA, we take that for granted. But there are many countries who rely on fishing as their main source of um, nutrition. Uh, and so the, the, the real issue is solving the problem of um, uh, declining marine biodiversity and also solving the problem of people um, having um, access to food. So uh, at Oceana, one of the main campaigns as it relates to what I'm doing here, uh, because Well Week is actually my work away from work, um, but it ties into it uh, nicely because it's something that I genuinely care about is protecting North Atlantic right whales. And this campaign is about, you know, um, tackling um, the threats to North Atlantic right whale, which, as I said um, earlier, that the top killer of North Atlantic right whales is um, a vessel strikes. Um, and in the Northeast, it's entanglement in, you know, lobster and fishing line, which is a very, very serious and contentious issue in the Northeast because, you know, so many people that love lobster and, you know, it produces lobster and sell it, you know, throughout the country and around the world. Um, but here, what we can do where we are, you know, uh, all politics is local. Where I am, what we need to do is um, to advocate um, as much as possible for um, um, those who, 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 who would um, are looking at their bottom line, how the only way I'm going to say it, a lot of revenue comes through the Georgia court. Um, and there are industries um, that, um, like harbor pilots, who are opposing um, the vessel speed rule, in which NOAA has uh, is actually um, speaking out about um, limiting vessel speeds to uh, ten knots, which is equates to about eleven uh, miles per hour, slowing down um, vessels between thirty-five feet and sixty-five feet or higher or longer. Uh, to slow down during this dynamic um, um, season for wells migrating down to the southeast. And I don't think that, we don't think at Oceana um, that that's asking too much because, um, you know, it's November through April. Many people are not fishing. It's winter. Many people are not fishing um, in the winter. And uh, the, the whole goal of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, um, um, their call to um, slow down during these seasons is that so that there could be less of a, an impact on North Atlantic right whales and less of an impact on the maritime industry itself. Because if these uh, large vessels, small to large vessels, 35 feet to 65 feet slow down, um, there's less of um, death. Uh, uh, from collisions with North Atlantic right whales. And as it stands, you know, um, uh, vessels that are 35 feet are killing North Atlantic right whales. In 2020, there was a recreational vessel in Florida that actually killed a North Atlantic right whale calf. And uh, so we know that, um, you know, uh, vessels that are 
you know, as as small as 35 feet to those that are, you know, larger vessels, container ships, which are much larger, um, don't have the ability to maneuver uh, when a right whale is in the area. And certainly right whales, um, they don't have, because they are so um, slow moving, they don't have the ability to turn or correct either. So we're calling on everyone, um, all agencies, all elected officials, all um, uh, uh, constituency and, and, and members of our, our community to be a voice for North Atlantic right wells. Because, um, you know, with the only, with only 340 left, um, that's very close to extinction. And, and we wouldn't, wouldn't want, um, a species to become extinct on our watch. No and doubt. certainly like them to be around for, our children and our children's children and their children's children. So, We have talked about in previous episodes, you know, um, just how as just unbelievable that number is, that number of, of it's not 340,000. It's not, it, it is 340. I mean, it's really just in the, in the grand scheme of things, a handful, a handful is left. And, you know, what I love about um, Whale Week and, and the work that you are doing, Hermina, the work that is going on um, at Tybee Island Marine Science Center, I know the partnership you have with the team there and Chantal and everyone there is so important um, and you're doing such good work. And what I'm excited about is the fire that's being lit um, here, especially, I know it's going on in other places too, but in, in coastal Georgia, there are young people who are who are getting uh, excited who are getting um aggressive in all the right ways uh to to really stand up i mean you know i'm kind of envisioning wouldn't it be wonderful if we could hold signs is welcome to georgia when the right whales coming down and and you know i i would love that i would love to see you know everyone just sort of take that breath and i think that's what you're speaking to you know when it comes to our uh, powers that we have, um, controlling the speed of these vessels, controlling um, the equipment that uh, that they're using, um, when when we're seeing such large, you know, uh, fishing expedition going on and things of that nature, being able to choose the right things, and, and this is this is these are the opportunities we have. These are our choices. And so we do have the power to do it. And there's so many people excited, so many young people excited about really, you know, getting out there and just and, and doing the work. I'm sure you're seeing that, too. Absolutely. We're really excited about Well Week this year because we're having a North Atlantic right Whale rally um, this year uh, in Forsyth Park. We are uh, partnering with Forsyth Farmers Market, uh, Gray's Reef National Marine Sanctuary. Um, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, um, Loop It Up uh, with Molly Lieberman. So we have this great cross-section in which we are engaging young people around. Oh, and not to mention that, of course, Ty Valley Marine Science Center has Smoke with School. Uh, and then Smoke is going to be joined this year by another 22-foot inflatable North Atlantic right well called Lefty, uh, who's at the Ocean Discovery Center. And so we're really excited about um, joining young people and uh, uh, in creating signs and posters uh, at the rally and uh, on Tybee Island 
uh, at the Marine Science Center to get, uh, you know, to all get pumped up because let's face it, North Atlantic right whales need all the help that they can get from as many uh, groups as possible. And certainly uh, we are just delighted that young people are interested uh, and, and will be joining us this year. And, you know, um, the kind of activism that they will be learning um, is that, you know, they are the now and they are the future. I think about um, Whitney Houston's song, I believe that you Yes. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. <laughs> Show them all the beauty they possess inside. That um, that's what we want because um, it's it's their it's their life now and it is their future uh, and we want wells to be in existence in their future and um, so we're just really stoked about young people joining us this year. It's going to be such an amazing week of events. Uh, what's where's the best place for people to go to sort of catch up on where where can I jump in on these events? Uh, the, those of us who are you know in coastal Georgia or maybe coming from another area, I want to say I want to get involved. Please go to wellweek.org. That's the website for Well Week. Um, there is going to be our schedule of events. Uh, we're going to open with a well ceremony, a ritual at Tybee Island Marine Science Center. Um, we will have an indigenous blessing, an African libation. We will have um, sound bowls and drumming to welcome these wells to our waters and to bless them and to pray for their safety as well as um, those who will be coming here to actually have their babies. And so we want to send out these vibrations, these very high vibrations to North Atlantic right whales. Um, it's symbolic. Uh, it's just a symbolic, but it's an action that we could take in terms of building this corridor of consciousness around who we are in our relationship to whales. Um, and so everyone is invited to that. That's on uh, the opening day on November 13th, followed by um, an event um, of uh, Save the Right Whale, viewing the Right Whale film called Save the Right Whale at the Ocean Discovery Center. And then we'll transition over to the uh, Ships of the Sea Museum, where there will be a panel discussion uh, from experts in the field. Um, the, the, the two inflatable whales will be going to various schools. So we're really excited about that. We'll have a panel of whales and women at the Ocean Discovery Center and it will culminate with our Saturday event at, um, at Forsyth Farmers Market, Forsyth Park for the North Atlantic Right Whale Rally. And we're so uh, grateful for the opportunity to partner with and collaborate with the farmers market where, where there will be many people from various um, groups who will uh, hopefully will join in with us to um, making a call, uh, signing, uh, making posters and calling our elected officials who are um, uh, Congressman Buddy Carter, Senator Raphael Warnock, his number is 202-224-3643. Senator Ossoff, his number is 202-224-3521. Call them, flood their offices with calls, letting them know that we care about this issue and that we elected them. The power of the people elected them 
to um, vote according to what our wishes are. And that is that a great majority of Georgians would like the North Atlantic right well protected from um, speeding vessels here in the uh, in the coastal waters of Georgia. No doubt. And it's such an opportunity for uh, for everyone to get involved. We'll have all of that information in the show notes. Uh, you can get to all of those links. We will put those phone numbers in there. Uh, you will be able to see where everyone is going to be and, and, and how to get involved in all of these things. And I would just like to encourage also our listeners to um, dive into uh, what the work that Hermina is doing. She's doing just uh, unbelievable work all the time. Um, it never stops. I don't know when you sleep, Hermina, but I, I love what you're doing. Um, and please go check out, and we're going to put a link to this too. Hermina is also the founder of the Susie King Taylor Women's Institute and Ecology Center. And and yeah. speaking of our, our culture and our heritage, in in coastal Georgia, uh, that that will be a learning piece for a lot of people. Please go look into that. Um, learn about Susie King Taylor and what is going on and what has gone on. Um, it's too good. I I heard I heard I heard. It's so exciting and uh, and and rightfully I have to say the work that you have done to shine a light there is just it's being recognized and it's de- well deserved. You are a beautiful soul, Hermina, and you you do such great work. Um, and we are lucky to have you here in coastal Georgia. Thank you, Dee. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. From the beach to the marsh, from the ocean to the rivers and creeks, from the islands to the mainland to the classroom, this is your authentic coastal experience with Tybee Marine Science Center. We provide year-round programs for visitors, residents, and learners of all ages. You'll find us on Tybee Island at North Beach, beachside of Fort Screven. Join us in developing caring and responsible protection of coastal Georgia's natural resources. You can help us today by becoming a member. Your membership support helps fund conservation programs and assist with program fees for low-income groups. Visit TybeeMarineScience.org to learn more about becoming a member. Our volunteer opportunities are there and all of the cool merch available in our discovery shop. Thank you for sharing this episode with another curious learner. Grab your membership at TybeeMarineScience.org and follow us on social. Together through education and conservation, we can make a difference.